You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus, and I am back again. It is the 26th of March, and the weather has warmed up a little bit as we approach... Um, what, I think the clocks go forwards on Sunday, is that right? I don't know, I'll check my, I can never remember what, where we are, what dates we're at. But we're back with another week of Grassroots uh, Q&A. I believe this is week 17, um, but uh, Kieran will confirm that, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, it's nice to be back, it's nice to be here. I've been looking through my emails um, Innovation Studios UK at Gmail. You can email me your question. And I have some questions this week that I'm going to get through um, as quickly as I can, really. And I'm back in the studio this week as opposed to being stuck in my car last week. Sorry about the sound quality of that. But uh, look, I don't want to miss a week, okay? If I miss a week, I'll get lazy. I'm like that with everything. I, I'm trying to walk at the moment. I'm trying to exercise. And as soon as I miss a week, look, miss a couple of days. I'm like, uh, you know, I can't remember what it was like to be walking. So, um, yeah, I'm still on my health kick. I'm still trying to do what I can. I'm still trying to get my weight down. I'm still trying to get myself um, mentally and physically ready for whenever we're able to get out there and perform again. Um, we'll hopefully, will be soon. Um, but um, who knows? We'll see what happens. Anyway, let's get on with my job this week, and that is to answer some of your questions. Lee from Basildon says, Hi, Marcus. I'm a singer and I'm finding it hard to practice in, indoors and I can't obviously rent anywhere to practice. Do you have any tips? Yeah, it's hardly because um, obviously singers, if you're singing from the right place, it's a, it's a hell of a racket, mate. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we've all tried to do things here and there. We've all tried to practice and, and to try and, um, you know, sing as loudly as we can but of course if you have neighbours you know you don't want to upset upset the neighbours you can hardly practice in the garden and I wouldn't advise everybody that on the 29th of March which they reckon uh, what is that's this coming Monday they reckon will um, you'll be able to meet in the garden a couple of you well if you're a duo I wouldn't suggest that you practice in the garden because you're going to annoy a lot of people not not with the quality of your performance but just the noise of it um, so it's difficult to practice, really is difficult to find any time to practice. And as a singer, it's really, really hard. I think probably singers and drummers find it the hardest because uh, drummers, you know, if they want to practice at home, they've got to play quietly. And we've talked about this before, how difficult it is for them to do that because of the rhythm thing and the sound of the drums and everything. Um, so drummers find it incredibly difficult, I'm sure. And singers find it uh, equally as difficult because we sing from the from the diaphragm or from our shoes sometimes trying to get um, something to come out. And um, that's unfortunately um, part and parcel of it. So when we're trying to find a, a way to practice what we do, it's really, really hard. First of all, um, certainly this time of year with the weather being a bit, uh, a bit windy and a bit blowy, I think sometimes, Lee... Um, you can practice in your car or your or your work van or whatever. You know, put take some tracks with you, put them on your phone, put them on your on your on your uh, parrot, or put them on your MP3 player or CD player, whatever it is you got in your car. But take some tracks with you on the road so that if you, if your windows are closed, you can practice singing there. The other way is a is a good old cushion off the sofa, <laughs> a good old cushion a cushion off of the sofa. Push it in your face as you're going for a big note. Um, and that will hold in a lot of the sound. Um, 
So if anybody jumped in at that point, I wasn't talking about suffocation. I was talking about singing. But sometimes it's such a big noise that uh, sometimes you, you need to be, um, you know, just 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 sensible and rather than upset the neighbors grab a cushion off the sofa and and shove it in your mush and go for the note behind that um but yeah we we have to find a a way of practicing and a place to practice in and sometimes on the road taking a drive out um or on the way to work or to and from work or just out and out in the van or or whatever it's a good uh a good way of practicing because obviously um singers are singers are almost as loud as drummers um you know, God bless you, the drummers out there. And, um, yeah, we need to practice too. Um, so, yeah, good old cushion in the face um, when you're going for the big notes. Um, because what you don't want to do is to learn how to sing quietly. Because if you, le- you learn how to sing quietly, although that's useful in care homes and stuff like that, when you suddenly go out on a Saturday night, you're stuck in that mode. And, you, and you're using the voice in a different way as well. So, um, yeah, as we can't at the moment really hire anywhere in order to practice... Um, we're singing indoors with a cushion in the face or we're singing in the work van or singing in the uh, in the car on the way to pick the kids up from school. Just wherever you can, you need to sing as much as you can. That's my advice to you, Lee. Peter. And Peter's in Hockley. And Peter says, Hi, Marcus. I just wonder, what is the warmest stage environment you have ever been in? Um, that's quite a good question, actually, Peter. Are you a weatherman? Um there are two that spring to mind. There used to be a venue in, in Wickford, and it was called Phrases. Phrases. F-R-A-S-I-E-R-S, you know, like the American sitcom. And uh, we played there one summer, and um, wall-to-wall. And we went and set up, and um, set up in the afternoon back then, um, probably about three or four, and, and, and sometimes we'd set up and then pop home or sometimes. But we set up fairly early. And on this particular occasion, we decided to hang around and just sit in the beer garden. We were on about eight, and we were set up by about half past five. And um, it was the hottest day of the year. So so the French windows were open and everything, and the, the manager of it, Dave Simmons, who was a friend of mine from school, actually, came up and said, look, we've got a bit of a problem. And I said, OK, what's your problem? He said, well, we're OK at the moment, but um, when we go on, there's no air con. The air con has gone it's broken that's why i've got all the french windows open and when we go on we've had complaints about the noise from the neighbors so we've got to shut all of the doors and windows (laughs) so he said it might get a bit warm up there so he said i've got some jugs of iced water for you and stuff like that iced water we needed a fridge to stand in each it was the hottest environment that i thought i'd ever been in at that time so picture it if you will hottest day of the year um people sort of standing around and wanting to see the band but in the end a few of them was walking out the front trying to get some air all the doors and windows shut and no air con and we were i remember playing a solo and some of the guitar players out there will know what i mean i'm playing a solo and as i look down at my at my arm or at the guitar i could see the sweat dribbling down my arm and pouring off the end of my elbow Almost like it was like a sort of fountain or something, um, and I thought at that particular time that that was the hottest environment I would ever be in, but I was wrong. Um, about, and that would have been about uh, two thousand and four, and a few years later, probably about five years ago now, uh, Oasis 
tribute band, our, our Oasis tribute band, played the Cavern in Liverpool, which is about 50 foot down below the surface of the road. And, um, and uh, no air conditioning that night either, which I didn't realise until I walked on stage. And I decided that night, um, to be absolutely honest, um, because... Um, I didn't feel too great about how I was looking at that time. I, um, I I felt okay, but usually I try and keep my weight down. But I hadn't, I wasn't big, but I I, I thought, well, okay, look, just in order to look that little bit thinner, I'm going to wear a parka. So I stuck the parka on, and bearing in mind that with the parka I've got my uh, wig, because my hair isn't anything like Noel's, and I've got my glasses, my sunglasses on, and we hit the stage at about nine o'clock. And uh, uh, we were about two songs in, and I remember thinking, I'm in trouble here. And I was absolutely soaked through. And when we came off of stage, bearing in mind that the Parkers are quite a big jacket anyway. Mine, this was a very, very big jacket. Um, I rang it out into the bin backstage, literally rang it out like a, like a towel with sweat. It was absolutely soaked. And I only had two bottles of water up there as well because I didn't think it would be that warm. Subsequently, at the cavern, they didn't put air conditioning in and things like that, but it was a real tough show, and I just remember thinking, I'm in trouble, you know, really big trouble here, because I'm the only member of that band that stays on the stage for the whole show every single time, because I'm Noel. So I stand there, you know, they wipe, Liam comes and goes and lets me sing my songs, and then they walk off, and I might come on and play the encore before the band rejoin. And... um it was hell. I mean, we did two hours, and uh, I just came off and wrung my jacket out into a into a dustbin. I was I was soaked, and uh, I remember being up all night. Um, here's a little tip for you. So, and I know this this is going to sound a little bit dodgy, uh, okay, and a little bit like whoa, you know. But any singers out there, any performers out there, any anybody out there that loses a lot of sweat. Um, particularly with things like this. I remember that night being up pretty much all night. I couldn't drink enough. I'd lost so much fluid. And I didn't really sleep that night because um, I was—I just wasn't well. I, I was dehydrated. The next morning I got up, had a cup of tea, and, uh, and I felt okay the next morning. But that night, um, there's a thing that they sell, uh, and there are various different things, and I'm sure there are other options as well, but for me, there's a thing, um, and it's called um, Dyrolite. Now, it's supposed to be for if you have really bad sickness and diarrhea, of course, you end up being dehydrated, and what what this does is it's like a drink that you um, then puts the nutrients and whatever, the, the goodness, back into your system again. So it's not just enough to drink water. These, this puts salt back in. This puts all the fluids and all of the things that you've lost. And I found that um, at the hotter venues, like the Cavern, like uh, you know various clubs and, and, and places like that where you've got a lot of lights on you, that sometimes I would, have, I would, I would uh, drink a little bit of my bottle of water and then I would empty the sachet into it and shake it up. So that as I was drinking, I mean, there are other things as well. You can get the Lucasay thing and the things that I have for runners and stuff like that. But this was my personal choice. I would have my bottle of water on the side and I'd put uh, a sachet of uh, this Dyrolite in there. Or there's, there, are, there are cheaper options and, and other options. But I, I found that that would replace the 
um, nutrients and all of that as I was drinking it. And it, I didn't feel so bad when I came off stage. And uh, although, you know, you had to be careful as a group of lads all backstage, you know, you got, they're coming in to, to let you know, you know, give you the quick knock. You know, on in two minutes, lads, and there's a big box of diarolite up on the side. You know, you're a bit nervous, are you? Um, but, um, yeah, it was, I, I found that that was quite good. So, um, subsequently, whenever I played the cavern, I always made sure that I had some of that with me in my bag. But they, because they changed the environment slightly in as much as they put um, air conditioning in, I never felt that I needed to do it as much. But in the summer shows and some of the clubs in the summer, I'd come, out, I'd come off stage dripping and I always had a box of it in the car and I'd have a bottle of water and just drink that in the car on the way home because drinking, drinking water, drinking cans of Coke cups of tea cups of coffee just doesn't cut it so you ha- you have to look after yourselves all right so um it's worth thinking about if you're a, i mean anything you do if you're a dancer and you lose a lot of sweat you know it's just something that's worth doing because it just puts it back in your body as you go um otherwise you can you, you burn yourself out when you come off at the end of the stage or the show you suddenly realize uh, i feel like rubbish here um whereas sometimes you don't notice it so much if you're gradually um, putting putting in what you're sweating out, but that's my my personal uh, my my personal opinion on that. Music tuition online. Have your guitar, bass, mandolin, vocal tuition, even production live online. One to one tuition via Skype or alternative streaming media. Learn from the safety of your own home. For further information, please contact us at Innovation Studios at www.innovationstudios.com. Dean in Haywards Heath says, Hi Marcus, I just wondered, without appearing to sound like a skin flint, what is the best way to save money when you're on the road? Hello Dean. Um, well, uh, th- there are various options. Um, I mean, we used to travel out and, and we used to take, uh, you know, the, this doesn't sound very rock and roll, of course, because we, we're supposed to be rock and roll, tra- a group of lads in the van traveling places. And um, but just just because you you become a rock musician, you're not, you know, you're not sipping caviar with a load of uh, chorus girls spooning it to you. Um, you have to live and you have to put some money away. And some of the venues you play, you know, if you, particularly if you're on a door split, you're not doing that brilliantly. So when you finish off. You, you try and save what you can and um we um we always tried to do the obvious things and we used to travel with a call box um that had sandwiches in it that we'd made and um you know some cans of coke and things like that so when we were actually on the road we weren't spending an awful lot um we, we don't quite want to go down the the route of pulling up at a service station and asking for hot water and then put <laughs> sticking tomatoes tomato uh, ketchup in it and using it as soup um but there are things that you can do and and um obviously th- the, the other thing that we discovered as well is if you book well in advance some of these um i'd say travel lodges or premier inns and things like that sometimes you could get um, they used to do the deal on 19 pound room i don't know if they do that now but if you booked well in advance sometimes you could you could find one of those the other thing is of course um if you're only, you know, see if you can get three or four of you in one in one room, just hiring one room. Things like that are obvious, Dean. But the less obvious stuff is 
you know, when you're on the road, you stop at services and, you you know, you order a tuna sandwich and it's like 14 quid and you think like, well, hang on a minute, how rare is tuna in Watford Gap? You know, it's, I've, I've got tins of it at home. Why is it so rare here? 14 quid's worth a tuna sandwich. Um, so obviously things like services and stuff like that, um, some of these places, because they don't feed you, some of these places, they, you know, the, the, the venues, because they don't have to, it's not their job to feed you. But um, so you, you need to make sure you've eaten in the afternoon because you're going to be working hard. And when you're on the road, it's services and stuff like that. So it's really it's the obvious things. It's um, using if you can all get in one vehicle, that's great. But make sure you're safe and make sure you're abiding by the rules. Don't be all, you know, um, clambering into the back and 27 of you in the back of a transit. Um but if there's a way that you can all squeeze in the van safely and if there's a way of uh, condensing down some of the equipment, maybe somewhat, some of the venues you might be playing, they might have their own PA and all you need is your amps and stuff. But if you've got to take your PA, then you've got lots of equipment. So it's things like that. It's things like, I mean, I, I don't think we really went down the road of looking at which particular petrol garage was doing the, the cheapest petrol either, but some people have done that. Um Really, I think it's the obvious things. It's trying to take some drinks and some bottles of water with you. And also, I think sometimes um, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no stranger to staying in a hotel for a couple of days and and maybe taking um, two or three pot noodles um, or soups, you know, a cup of soups and a loaf of bread, things like that. Just not because I was necessarily a skin flint as such, but just because you think like every little helps, doesn't it, Dean? And, and um so sometimes we we would um, you might stop at a garage or you might just before you leave we might uh, the day before we leave and we're going and I might just pack my bag of uh, pot noodle um, cup of soups and a loaf of bread and I knew I was all right for the next few days and you can get these porridges as well or you can get the porridges which are pretty much I mean I don't this is supposed to be about music but it is life. Um, these porridges that you that that you sort of and most rooms you stay and have a kettle so if you've got a kettle in that room and you've got pot noodle and you've got a, a loaf of bread and a couple of bottles of water and uh, you know some cup of soups you, you're pretty much set for a couple of days um and um try and save some money that way because some of these services you know the, the ridiculous amount of, of money that you're spending there um, and also, you don't necessarily. I don't like filling myself full of junk before I go and perform either. You know, I don't. I, I want to try and eat something fairly, fairly healthy because because things like the the usual suspects, the KFCs, the McDonald's, their prices at services don't change that much because it's kind of a universal pricing system. But if you start walking in and trying to order a sandwich or trying to order a fry up, I mean, you you'll be remortgaging your house before you come out of there just to pay for a cup of tea. So we save money by uh, really in the room by just having uh, quick snacks that we can grab while we're on the uh, while we're in the room. Okay, here's another one. This is from Steve, and Steve is in Holbridge. Hello, Steve. Um, hi, Marcus. My band have been offered a residency several times, but we've never been sure whether to take it or not. Do you have any advice? Um, yeah, I, I th when, whenever we've taken a residency, Steve, hi Steve, by the way, whenever we've taken a, a residency, we've usually um, weighed it up because the, the, the thing is, the, there, there are residencies and there are residencies. 
if you are the resident band at Butlins or Pontins or Warners or, you know, then you're entertaining a different crowd every week. And um, so that's, you know, you, you, you can always be fresh. You can always be, you know, um, you know, you can, you can keep your, keep your show moving and with, with, with not so much, let's say, let's say with a minimum of effort. So you once you've got your set ready, you can perform, and then you know the following week, um, you know you've got a new crowd, uh, and it's uh, so you stay where you are, but the crowd keep moving. But when you do a residency at a venue, um, and we Walter Wall played a residency in '99 at a place called the Marn Inn, in uh, I'm going to say Bishop Stortford, but it actually is. Um, there is, it's an area of Bishop Stortford, but it was Bishop Stortford. We played the Marn in and we had a, we were offered a residency and we said once a month, but of course in a venue like that, the crowd pretty much are the same week by week. And if you're the same, if you, what we found is we used to play there two or three times a year. And when we played there, uh, Steve, it was rammed. And, and and by the way, when I say that, not everywhere we played was rammed. I, I you know, we we I'll be honest. I'd always be honest. I'd always say if there was a gig where literally you were entertaining one man and his dog, then I would be honest about that. But um, in this particular case at the Marn Inn, it was it was rammed every time we played there, and we took a residency. The 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 uh, landlord said, "I'd really like to have you once a month," and we did the posters for him. We did a, some did some promo. And back, back back then, promo was sort of leaflets, because there weren't any um, no no um, internet. Internet was very early, you know, in its very early days, or, or very too too early for me to understand what the what the hell buttons I had to press to get it working. Um, and um, so we took the residency and we had a chat about it, and we said, no, it's really really good. You know, we're guaranteed these twelve shows, and we're guaranteed this amount of money, and it's worth it. And it died on its backside, Steve. We were there in the January, and then um, we, and, and the January was a little bit quiet because not a lot of people got paid until the end of January. This is another thing that for everybody to remember out there as well. When you're booking gigs, um, remember that when somebody says to you, I'd like to book you in, in January, of course, we're happy to take it because it's money for us in January. We're the same as everybody else. But don't be disappointed if when you get there, there's nobody there because a lot of people say, well, we won't go out until the end of January because usually payday is around the 25th, 26th. So if you've got a show on the 26th or the 27th of January, it's going to be packed. Anything before that, you're going to be lucky if it's half full because people are saving their money after using their flexible friend to get all their Christmas bits. Um, Anyway, I digress. But we took that residency and um january was okay no no more than okay february was okay um march was busy and then we found that we were on the same pattern anyway you know every three or four months that we were there it was busy but for the two of a couple of months in between it wasn't it was maybe half full and we felt that people would look were looking at it and saying well we we'll see them next month you know, we've we've seen them four times this year. And, and going to see a band four times a year is one thing. Going to see a band 12 times a year. Um, and, and what we found as well, we were putting an awful lot of work in to try and be fresh every single month. So we were rehearsing, you know, every Tuesday um, back in a, a place called Temple Farm Studios in Gallywood, if anybody remembers that, Laurie, uh, Laurie Beecham. Um, we... We were rehearsing every Tuesday in order to stay fresh for a gig that when we got to, there were only half the people there. 
because they were waiting to see us, you know, a couple of months afterwards. So they only wanted they were seeing us four times a year, and they, they had the they had the opportunity to see us twelve times a year. They were only seeing us four times, and um, so it 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 pretty much died. And and we decided the following year to say no, we're going to go back. You know, he offered it offered it to us again, and we said no, we're going to go back to doing the four shows or three or four shows a year for you. And it picked up again. Uh, and we found that we didn't, the pressure was on us to always stay fresh. And in the end, we felt, well, why are we working so hard to learn songs month to month? When, because we're, 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 we're looking at it and saying, well, people who saw us last month will want something new. Whereas if somebody had seen you three or four months before, you could do the best show that you had. Now, this is in no way... Um, indicative of, of of being lazy and sort of going oh we know we just do what we do week in and week out but we pretty much knew the songs that worked and the songs that didn't and when you're thinking on your feet like that it did us a lot of good because we jumped in with both feet and it meant that we had to improve we had to build the set we had to we probably got another 50 songs that year at least that we could then chop and change the following year but um yeah it was it was um you can kill it stone dead because people, um, although it looks nice on paper to say we're, we're there 12 times this year, unless you're very, very versatile, unless you've got maybe three or four different shows that you can do, um, you know, it, it, you'll find that the people will see you see you probably four times that year um, and you, you'll end up with um, playing 12 shows with maybe 60% capacity when you could play four or five with 100% capacity and another four somewhere else with 100%. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. And that's my personal experience uh, of it. Maybe different for you, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Innovation Studios, hoodies. Many colours and sizes available. Our logo proudly emblazoned on the front. The back can be personalised with your name or your nickname or anything you want as long as it isn't too shocking. Click to order online www.innovationstudios.com Emma in Basildon says, Hi, I'm very, very new to songwriting. My songs are quite personal to me. I find them therapeutic. I just wondered how can I learn more about songwriting and how can I step away from the individuality of my songs? Um, hello, Emma. Yeah, I've, I've had this conversation actually a, a couple of times and um, and I always liken it to um, when, when you, lo- you, want, you want to learn a little bit more about songwriting or how songs are constructed or how music is constructed. I always find that if you want to be a painter, I've said this before, if you want to be a painter and you want to paint your own pictures... You've got to learn how to paint somebody else's first. So you need to... Anybody that learns how to play an instrument, I don't think there's anybody ever who's who's just said, I'm going to pick up a guitar and I'm going to strum a few chords and straight away I'm only going to play my own songs. I'm never going to play any covers. Because we learn by playing maybe the songs that we like and we learn by playing the songs that we aspire to or by the bands we aspire to um, meet or or work with. And um, the thing is, Emma, the the best way to learn about things like this, I, I, I feel if your songs are personal and if they're therapeutic, that's fine because that's a good, that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, I think sometimes they can be, if they are too personal to you, 
then sometimes you can feel a certain way about the songs. And, and maybe a couple of years later, you might not feel the same way about that. So sometimes if, if they are directly personal, then you haven't taken the idea of the feelings and skated around it. I think sometimes um, we we kind of um, pour our heart and soul into songs like they're a diary. But we we unlike a diary that we can put under our bed or stick under lock and key and no one can open it and read uh, read about it, songs we hope to release and we hope that people will hear them. And if we make them too personal, sometimes we're bearing our soul. So to, in order to learn more about things, I think sometimes here's a, here's a good here's a good uh, bit of advice that that uh, I, I think is a good bit of advice, but and I would do because I'm giving it. Listen to your songs. Think about your songs, Emma. Think about the message of the song. So not necessarily who it's about, but what the message of the song is. Is it love? Is it loss? Is it longing? Is it pain? Is it misery? Is it fun? Is it happiness? Is it uh, frustration? Whatever. And then try to find, either with a friend of yours or a family member or somebody else who listens to music with you or whatever, try and find some songs with a very similar message because they are already out there. Now, without without appearing to bring religion into a little grassroots UK podcast, um, the thing about uh, religion, particularly the reason that books like the Bible and things like that it's not even if you believe or you don't believe and whatever, you can find a passage in there that is relevant to your situation. And I think um, I think it's fair to say that. I mean, you know, there'd probably, probably be 200 comments underneath going, what do you know? But but I think it's that. In, in, in religion and things like that, the reason that so many people take comfort in religion is because they can find a message that's applicable to them and their situation, i.e. we're all different, but yet here's this thing that connects us all in as much as we can you know there's a message there for us and I think um, music does the same um, in as much as you you can you can write a song that's personal to you and feel that's very personal and you know and then you'll listen to something else and you say well they're saying the same thing as I'm saying um, that that's the same message or so I think in order to understand what um, what songs are about and off the top of my head I can't I can't think of any directly, but if there is a comparison between, let's say, just a couple of songs that give exactly the same message. Now, obviously, if 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 it's if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands or happiness by Ken Dodd. Right. Well, there's the same message. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Right. OK. But it goes deeper than that, Emma. It's um, it's about finding uh, a song that, that's similar to the ones you've written now let's say you've written 10 songs go through your songs have a look about what they're about and then try and find a very much like they do when they they sort of twin towns you know you sort of you you go drive through somewhere and you see like twinned with whatever you know um well let's try and find a twin or or a doppelganger for your songs and you say okay look this is a song it's about me and this guy or whatever and then oh here's this other song by Adele and it's about her and this guy and that you know I'm feeling the same as them and then you'll find that um, you can get the same message across in so many different ways and sometimes um, 
it's important that the message comes across without sometimes being personal. And if they're personal to you, that's great. Just do what you do. Just write the song and get it out of you and get it sorted out. But just um, look for a twin. Look for another song. And I would suggest everybody that listens to this, how about this for, for something? And you can email me your results if you want. Try and find five songs that you like and five songs that give the same message. Let's, let's say five... You know, five sets of twins where the message or the or at least the, the the thesis of the song, the idea of the song is exactly the same. It could be about love. It could be about loss. It could be about, but very, very similar. See if you can find them, because even if nothing else, if you're searching for that, you are listening to music. And if you're listening to music, you're enjoying music, hopefully. And if you're enjoying music and you're and you're trying to link two songs together you're listening to music in a different way and if you're listening to to music in a different way you're learning more about it and it keeps me happy because it means that i am getting the message out there and that is listen to music and learn from it don't just stick it on in the background and and say i think i like this one you know if if anything that makes you listen to music and analyze music in a different way and that's what i'm about when you when you are a producer and an engineer of any level, to be fair, who am I? I'm in a, I'm in a shed in Hadley, but I still have to listen to music and be able to identify styles of music and individual um, ideas that that cross over and various songs that cross over. And you know, I'll try and do the same. Maybe I'll try and do the same. I'll try and find five songs and try and find another five songs out of the same message. But try and do that, Emma, because it's very good for you, and you will learn a lot more if you actually have an idea. Um, so thanks for your question. Uh, Bradley doesn't say where you're from, Bradley. Um, hi, Marcus. We are a club circuit band and we want to record some of our shows for reference and also as a keepsake. What's the easiest way of doing this? Hello, Bradley. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends. Obviously, it depends on what quality you want. Okay. Um, if it's a case of just recording what comes out of the front speakers and then listening to it and just keeping your shows for, for reference, then there's usually um, like a, a left and right out of the desk and you can put that into your sound card and record it straight to Audacity or Traction or whatever. You can get these recording consoles that um, that you can, you know, you can record everything individually. But I think with that, sometimes... When you're trying to set up and do the show, you've then got to take a separate out from the maybe the monitor output or a separate out from each individual track on that mixer and put it into each individual track on, let's say, your Zoom 16, Zoom R16. And that's headaches. I think if your levels are okay and if your sound is okay, then just a simple left and right from um, your mixer into either a... Um, into your sound card and record it on the on audacity or record it on your laptop um or even you know go go old school and record the show to um a mini disc which is um that the mini disc has a left and right um auxiliary input and um that's how we recorded a few of our shows years ago and you can get a left and right from the desk and that will just basically whatever the audience are hearing whatever's coming out the speakers will be transferred to your uh, mini disc. If you want to individually mic everything else, 
that's probably going to be two or three times the setup every single time you're playing. And if it's only for reference, if you're making an album, that's different. But to be fair, if you're making an album and you're a good, solid band, you should only really need to do it once. Um, so you don't really... Just just a simple left and right out um, or a ta- what they call a tape out um, or a... Uh, yeah, or a, on, on some mixers, on this one I have in front of me, there's a recording out. Which has the red, the red and white uh, output that you then put into your mini disc, and you can record like that, or into your sound card and record a stereo track to um, Audacity, which you can then keep and listen back. And I, I say Audacity because look, that's so easy. It's free. It's it's just I should be sponsored by them really, but as it's a free program, I'm assuming they don't have a lot of money. Um, but that's the that's the key to it. So try to um, try to use that one. Um, my last question today, Marie. Hi, Marie. Marie says, hi, Marcus. I may be showing my ignorance, but I wonder what is the difference between a line check and the sound check? Hello, Marie. Um, the difference between a line check and a sound check. We'll start with a sound check. A sound check is when there's nobody in the venue and uh, you're able to sound check every single instrument, play through the songs a few times or play through something as a band, as a unit, make sure you're happy with the settings um, and then you know, uh, uh, test everything. You can you can check everything, acoustic guitars, the, the whole kit and caboose. That's what a sound check is. It's where uh, it's a slower process. A line check is maybe, and line checks tend to take place at festivals or they take place at uh, Butlins or places where there's an audience already in there because you don't want to stand there and play half a song when there's an audience in. So what you have to do is maybe the curtains are closed and you just make sure or the sound crew make sure that everything is coming through their system so that when you go on, they're able to quickly mix you. And to be honest, after the first song, if there's anything wrong on stage, you can usually say over the microphones, can we just have a little bit more of uh, Dave's guitar in my monitor, please? That's it. Thanks a lot. And no one's going to go, who's this bloke? He's up himself. They're just going to... That's something that happens at shows. Liam Gallagher is constantly pointing at the sound man and telling him to turn up the vocal or whatever before he scratches his head and then drops back into that pose of his. But that's the thing. It's um difference between a sound check and a line check is it's thorough. A sound check is that uh, you get a rough idea of how it's going to sound um, on stage and off stage. And a line check, you have no idea. You, you are very much in the hands of the sound crew. Um, but to be honest, if they're, uh, if they're working at the, most of the places where you're going to need a line check, the sound crew are pretty good anyway. Um, and solid anyway, and used to it. So if you're working at Butlins or Pontins or whatever, these sort of big holiday parks, their sound crew do it all the time and are pretty good at it. Um, that's not to say that the people you do sound checks with are, are not great sound men. I just mean you, you're, you're usually in good hands, and you're usually in good hands with a normal sound check, but you get there earlier. Um, we had a choice many years ago at Butlins, um, where they said to us, you can get there at 12 o'clock and have a sound check for your 10 p.m. show, or you can get there at 9.30 p.m. and have a line check and go on at 10. And we looked at each other and said, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? You know, you don't want to spend 10 hours somewhere, you know, if if you can make sure that everything's working. Because by the time we... And we did we initially, we took the option and sound checked, and we sound checked and we were done by um, 1 o'clock. We had nine hours to kill. And by the time we hit the stage at 10 o'clock... I think we'd spent in the arcades and on the rides and on the fairground and on candy floss and on donuts and on lunch and on beer 
what we've got to earn that night. So in the end, um, we would turn up and uh, get out the van at half nine, load the, equi- load the equipment in, take it straight up to the stage. Well, maybe not half nine, but nine o'clock. Take the equipment up to the stage as quickly as we could on the changeover. Um, and they would just check the mics. Yeah, it's coming through. Check your mic. One, two, coming through the monitor. Good. Go to work. Um, the the duo that I play in, and if I'm solo, most of that's a line check. Just make sure my guitar's working, my um, microphone's working, my tracks are working. That's it. Done. Go to work. I don't need a sound check. Done. So that's the difference. A line check is a very, very quick playthrough, and, and, and you'll find that you start as a band by doing sound checks, and then as you get, get further, the sound check gets shorter and shorter and shorter until in the end it pretty much becomes a line check. You turn up, is this working, that's working, that's working, bang. And within half a song, your levels are right anyway. Just tweak that, tweak that, go to work. So I hope that answers your question, Marie. And I hope that answers all of your questions. Um, thank you once again for your support. Thank you once again for clicking on the follow button. I've got a few followers now on um, Spotify and various other digital media sites that you listen to this on, um, iTunes, etc. You know who you are. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your support. Thank you for uh, your friendship as well. Thanks for being my mate and tuning in every Friday. Um, It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Don't forget www.innovationstudios.com for further information or innovationstudiosuk at gmail to send me a question. And I'm sure there are ways of doing it on Twitter as well or Instagram. Just if you see us and you find us and you want to ask us something, just inbox us. Even on Facebook, we have a page. Just do it. All right. I'm out of here, but that was fun. And I look forward to seeing you next week when we are in to April. Take care of yourselves, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Yours in music. Signing off now. Bye-bye for now.